Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Curransville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Curransville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.curransvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Now, we are going through the Gospel of John for the purpose of meeting Jesus. We want to get to know Jesus. We want to get to know him intimately. We want our understanding to grow so that we, as we have that relationship with him, can grow ourselves. And and part of it is understanding who we are. And so today, we're, we're in John 15, which is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, He's been talking about the relationship. Now, here's how he's been focused on the relationship. He's used the illustration of a grapevine, which would be very familiar to his listeners at the time. And he describes himself as the true vine. His father is the husbandman or the gardener. And we are the branches. So we are the branches that come off of the vine and we bear fruit. Those who don't bear fruit, he prunes away and casts them into the fire. And so it's been a beautiful picture of a relationship with him. Now, I think this has been an important section of Scripture for us to look at for the last few weeks. Why? Because here's reality. Most of us, can I be honest with you, really don't have any clue about that relationship. We don't really have any clue that Jesus wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And to be honest with you, I can't think of a better person to have that intimate relationship with you. You know, Lori and I, we've been married now 29 years. It's going to be 30 next year. I started getting to know her in two, not 1991. Holy cow, it's in 2000. 31 years ago, I got to know her. She showed up at a Super Bowl party at my house. I thought she was awesome. She thought I had a nice microwave. So, and, and here we are, we've been with each other and we, we kind of know each other. We, we, we would say we know each other, but we don't really know each other. And, and there are things that she doesn't know about me that I wish she would know about me. There are things that she would definitely say, I wish George understood this about me. He hasn't figured it out yet. And that's human relationships, right? The relationship with Jesus is completely different than that kind of relationship. Because he does understand you. He knows everything about you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what what bothers you. He knows everything about you. And when you come to Christ, you're not just grabbing a hold of a doctrine and saying, I believe that. You're not just praying a prayer to make sure you got everything taken care of so you can go to be in heaven. You're entering into a relationship with a living God, with Jesus who cares for you. But most of us don't have any clue about what that relationship means. I think it's interesting. He tells you. He's going to describe it for you and I. And how he describes it, he's going to give us a command that we need to be doing with each other. And he says, here's how you do that command. 
you love like I loved you. And then he goes on and describes the kind of love and the relationship that he has with you. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to focus on verses 12 through 17. And I'm hoping that as we look at these verses, it'll blow your mind about how much he cares for you and the relationship he has with you. So let's look at these together. Look with me. It'll be up on the screen for those of you who want to look at it up on the screen. But if you're looking at your Bible, we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. Here's what he says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses and we're going to try to get to understand the relationship. He's going to define it for us, but here's how we're going to do it. First of all, we're going to see what's important. He's going to show us the one thing that's important. Think about that for a moment. And then he's going to talk to us about his love, his love for us. Now, let's talk about what's important. If I were to go around to people today in the church, I'm not going to, but let's say I was going to go around, and I would say to you, What's important in church? What's important for Christians today? We would have a lot of different answers. Some of you would say evangelism. Some of you would say this. Some of you would say that. Some of you would say this. Some of, and, and the answers would be many. And we might actually have a heated discussion here with people disagreeing over what they think is the most important thing. Well, we don't need to argue about it. We don't even need to ask that question because Jesus tells us what's important. And we see it right here in verse 12. Look at what he says in verse 12. Here's what he says. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what it says. Now, here's, here's the, I'm using a New King James here. Some of you have an NIV, some of you have a uh, ESV, some of you have something else, some of you are using the old King James. I, I don't think any of your versions say this. This is my suggestion. No, it doesn't say that, does it? This is my commandment. You, you know what that is, right? That's being, I'm telling you to do something. This is important. So here's three things I want to point out to you, first of all. We need to pay attention to the things that Jesus repeats. You need to pay attention to the things that Jesus repeats. So have you ever noticed that when you are with someone or if you're working for someone or you're in a relationship and it's like a parent-child relationship and the person who is in the superior position 
when he's talking to you, says the same things over and over. You kind of get the get the idea that he wants you to do that. So like if I'm having a discussion with my children and I say to them four times in a five-minute discussion, take the garbage out. Take the garbage out. I hope you have a great day. Take the garbage out. How did it go over here? Take the garbage out. What am I trying to convey to them? Take the garbage out, right? Why? Because I repeat that, okay? Listen to what, how do we know that Jesus, Jesus wants us to understand what's important here? How do we know that? Okay, look with me on the screen. John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Wow, what's he trying to get us to understand? John 15, looking for John 15, here's where we were. In, in verse 12, this is my commandment that you what? Love one another. We need to pay attention, right? You need to pay attention to what Jesus is telling you here. Here's what he's saying. Jesus is telling us to love one another and how we are to love. He's telling us how to love one another and how to do it. How do we do it? Like he did it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like he did it. In fact, it's interesting. Throughout the New Testament, whenever you see the whole issue of the command that we are to love each other, it's always like God has loved us or Jesus has loved us. For instance, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He's telling us exactly how to do it. And the example of how to do it is who? God. This is important. This is what makes the most difference. How do we know that? Because over in John 13, by this shall they know that you are my disciples by your what? Love for one another. Didn't say by your hate for one another, by your joking with one another, by your love for one another, that you genuinely care for each other. And he's going to tell us why next week, why that's important. But right now, you need to understand what's important and how, why. And we're going to see the relationship from that. So here's what he's, he's telling us then. Look with me at verse 13 through 17. He's going to tell us how that love is expressed. How he loves us. So let me read it to you again, okay? We're going to go one verse at a time. Look with me at verse 13. Here's what he says. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So that's the first one. How much does Jesus love you? He laid down his life for you. So here it is. Jesus loved us selflessly and sacrificially. Selflessly, it wasn't about him. It was about us. Sacrificially, what? He laid down his own life for us. He went to the cross for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus wasn't tragically taken to the cross and he had no control over it. He knew what was going to take place. We've already seen that throughout the gospel already. He's been telling you, I'm going to die. They're going to take me. And I've got to go. This is my hour. That, remember that statement? This is my hour. This is why I am here. This is my sole purpose in life, is to go to the cross. Why? Because I love you. That's how much he loves you. Don't ever, and we do that, and I'll say don't ever, but I'll know I'll do it. Here's what, don't ever question God's love for you. 
But we do that. I do that. Why? Because when we're in the midst of it, things are going out of haywire. Things are going crazy. Life's turning upside down. The ceiling's falling in. The sky's falling. And I'm like, oh, God, do you love me? You don't need to even do that because you don't need to question that. He loved you so much he gave his life for you. That's the first thing. He, would, he loved selflessly and sacrificially. Now, let's get back to what's the most important thing. What? We're to love one another. How? Like he loved. What's that? Selflessly, sacrificially. That's so countercultural, isn't it? That so goes against the grain of how we operate because we love in order to get love, right? We love in order to get our own thing. We love selfishly. And we never do it sacrificially, maybe for some people. But he does it selflessly, gives up his life for us. Why? Because he loves us. Look with me in the next verse now. Verse 14. He's going to turn the attention to you and I now. Okay? Verse 14. Here's what he says. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Oh, wait a minute. Now, I thought we we're describing the relationship, George, how he cares for us. Yeah, but he's got to interject you and what part you have in the relationship. So here's what he's saying to us. He, Jesus is telling us to love one another. Excuse me, I'm reading the wrong point. Our obedience reveals the level of our friendship with Jesus. Our obedience reveals the level of our love for Jesus. We understand that, right? You know, you have somebody who tells you they love you. You ask them to do something. Oh, yeah, I'll take care of it. I love you, sweetie. I'll do it. And they don't do it. It's just words. But Jesus is saying he's not into words. He's into action. What kind of action? Doing the stuff that he told you to do, not what somebody else told you to do, but what he told you. That in itself is enough, right? That you do what he's telling you to do. And, and, and the reality is it reveals your level of relationship with him. I, I used to say this years ago. You know, I've been, I've been a believer now since 1986. So that's... that's uh, that's 36 years now, okay? So 36 years ago, I got saved. Columbia, South Carolina, went to this little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. And, and so for the first little while there, before I became a pastor, I was just the average guy sitting in the pew, got involved doing different things, and then I became a pastor and a pastor to church in Canada, and I've pastored here for over 21 years. And here's what I've noticed through life, and I've, I thought it's interesting. Words are cheap, when it comes to talking about Jesus. Everybody knows that, right? I love Jesus. Great, wonderful. You love Jesus. What's your life show? What do you mean, George? Here's what he's saying. It's interesting. Always look at verses in the context. Not add to it. What's the context here? A new commandment I give unto you that you what? Love one another. Here's what he says in verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What did he just command us? 
love one another. And through the years, what I've seen, I, I think is the biggest contradiction that you have people, they'll answer Bible questions, they'll pray down a storm, but then when they interact with other people in the church, they're as mean and miserable as can be. What really revealed who they were? The answers they give or the prayer they prayed or how they were with people? Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I tell you. What did I just tell you to do? What? Love one another. Like I loved you. Wow, that stings, doesn't it? That stings me. Here's what verse 15 says. This is interesting. I no longer, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master has done, but I call you friends. Think about that. Who are you, folks? If I were to say to you, who are you? I, somebody will say, well, you know, I'm a servant of Jesus. Wonderful, but that's not what he calls you. He calls you a what? Friend. Now, think about that. The God of the universe, with everything that's going on right here on planet Earth and the rest of whatever, and all of the turmoil and all the difficulty and all that goes through his godness and what he deals with, in his superior supremacy, which we acknowledge and realize, he looks at you and he doesn't call you a slave, he doesn't call you a servant, he calls you what? A friend. See, this is the next point I want you to see. You want to understand the relationship? Jesus does not view you as a slave or a servant. I find, you know, for a lot of years in my Christian life, I really wrestled with, and some of it had to do with my upbringing, okay? So, uh, you know, in, in growing up in a military home and uh, a disciplinarian dad, sometimes you kind of get the concept that acceptance is achieved by what you do. Ever been in that kind of situation where you feel like your acceptance is based upon what you do? And so sometimes for a lot of the early years of my Christian life, I lived in a perpetual state of thinking that God was disappointed with me that he was disappointed with me because I didn't do this or I didn't do that or I messed up over here or I said the wrong thing here or I didn't know how to do this or I didn't know how to do that or I didn't achieve this or I, again, I screwed up over here. And so I kept thinking that God was in a perpetual state of disappointment with me. Ever been there? It is not a good place to be because what ends up happening when you're in that kind of state you kind of have a hard time understanding love from God because you don't feel you deserve it. I'm going to tell you right now, that is the biggest lie you could ever live under. Because he's not in a perpetual state of disappointment with me. And he's definitely not in a perpetual state of disappointment with you. Because you're no longer seen as a slave or a servant. You're seen as a what? 
a friend. In fact, a friend who he describes earlier who sticks closer than a what? A brother. Have you ever noticed that? You are loved. And he accepts you. Not because of you, folks. This is what the gospel is, right? Not because of you, but because of who? Jesus. And what he did for you. And so the reality is, you are not viewed as some sort of servant, some sort of somebody on the less than side. You are a friend. Come sit with me. Come die. And isn't that the terminology we see in the New Testament all the time? I will come and dine with you. My father and I will make our home with you. Love. Intimacy. He cares for you. Wow. Let's, let's go on now. Let's continue on. As friends, he entrusts us with God's word. Look again, verse 15. Here's what he says. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all the things I heard from my father, I have made known to you. God doesn't hold back on you. He reveals everything to you. I think it's interesting in the Old Testament, in one of the prophets, it's, the prophet makes the point that God reveals what he is doing to his prophets. To his children. Why does he do that? Because he trusts you. Now let's stop for a moment. When you think about friendship, one of the foundational things in any friendship is what, folks? Trust. If you don't trust your friends, you got problems, right? If you don't trust a person, how close a friend are they? How, how much do you confide in them? How much do you share with them? Not much at all. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's an issue of trust. But here he is. I don't call you a servant. I reveal to you what my father is revealing to you because why? You're my friend. I what? Trust you. So he speaks to you. Jesus speaks to you. What do you mean he speaks to me, George? Is he like, hey, George, do you do that? No, 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 not like that. But when you read his word, things come to you. The Spirit shows you things. And you realize, wow, yeah, that's for me, God. Yeah, that's for me. You're speaking to me here. This is the reality. So he, as a friend, he entrusts us with God's words. Here's the other thing I want you to see. This is why he does this. Now, this is so amazing. Look with me at verse 16. This blows your mind, okay? This blows your mind. Look at, look at me at verse 16, what he says here. You did not choose me. What? You did not choose me, he says, but I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now here's what we're going to see. This is how wonderful the relationship is. He initiated the relationship with us so that we bear lasting fruit. Now if I were to go to you right now and I would say to you, tell me about when you got saved. 
Tell me about the time that you became a believer. A lot of you would share with me, well, you know, I remember when my mom shared with me the gospel or my grandma shared with me the gospel and I realized and I prayed and asked Christ to come into my life or, or in like in my instance, I remember, the, you know, the very clearly the moment that a buddy of mine in engineering school at the University of South Carolina invited me to a Bible study there at the Student Union Center and I went to that Bible study and I was told to read the Gospel of John and that evening I gave my life to Christ. I, I, you have a clear moment in your mind of when you came to Christ, when you came to him and you, when you realized and you embraced him. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I initiated. What do you mean you initiated? He initiated. How did he initiate? Someone came to you. Whether it was your mother or your grandmother. Someone came to you and shared. Someone came to me and what? Invited me to what? Go to a study. Someone got up and spoke and what? Spoke to me. Someone had a Bible, just happened to have a Bible that evening so that I could read it. He initiated. He wanted to have a relationship with you. Listen, write that down. He wanted to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So he initiated you coming in contact with the gospel so that you would respond and what? Come to him. He's not sitting on the throne room saying, oh, wow, there's George. How did he figure it out? Wasn't expecting him. That's not God, is it? He initiates. He initiated the relationship. Why? So that we would bear fruit in our lives. Now, when we talk about fruit, what are we talking about? The fruit that he produces in our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The fruits of the Spirit that what? Are lasting, everlasting. This is how much he loves you. He wants your life to produce fruit. Which can only come because you're in that relationship with him. And that's why he gives you that promise again. Remember I told you, the promise of him answering prayer, what does it got to do with? It has to do with answering prayer with reference to what? You bearing the fruit that he wants you to bear. Look with me, look verse 16. That your fruit should remain, that it, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. He's going to provide everything you need for you to become the person that you need to be in him. So ask. There's one other thing I want you to see here. Verse 17. It's got to be important. Look at what he says. These things I command you that you love one another. Have we heard that before? He seems to keep repeating that, right? You've got to love each other. Here's the point I want you to see. He's telling us these things so that we will love each other. 
He's telling you how much he loves you and the friendship that he has with you and the fact that he initiated that relationship with you. He's telling you all of these things so that you what? Love each other. Love each other. Why? Why, why is this so important, George? We're going to look at it next week, but let me give you just a little preview. Look with me at verse 18. Just getting a little ahead. Here it is. Here it is. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. That's why it's so important to love each other. Because you live in a world that's not going to love you. That's not going to accept what you believe. That's not going to accept Jesus. And so therefore, you've got to come somewhere when we gather together and be with people who what? Love you as Jesus loved you. Do you see? This is the relationship. You're not a servant. You're not a slave. You're a friend. So act like one. That's the reality, isn't it? We need to act like we're friends of Jesus. Something to think about. Let me pray for you.